Hi, I'm Jeff Brazier, and this is the NL Full Time Podcast. Welcome to this week's NL Full Time and Happy New Year, everyone. I'm Luke Edwards, and who's here to look back at who brought New Year's cheer and who has broken their New Year's resolution? It is Rob Laurel. Hello, Rob. Yeah, hi, Luke. First appearance of this. I was going to say the season of the year for you now. <laughs> You're as having it, a little dig still, aren't you? About as it is, it? as it is for everyone actually, because <laughs> it is on the third day of 2021. But also joining us today it is Chris Pratt. Hiya, Chris. Happy New Year, Luke. Happy New Year, Chris. Have you thawed out? I know you've had two cold games recently, haven't you? Yeah, exceptionally cold. Well, bring on springtime. <laughs> <laughs> and joining us this week, uh, he's stepping in his dickies replacement. It is Tom Feeney. Hiya, Tom. Hello, how are we doing? Good, cheers. And also joining us today, we have a special guest. It is Aldershot Town captain, Josh Reese. Hiya, Josh. Hi, Luke. Happy New Year all. Uh, said, hope you're in, uh, yeah, hope you're enjoying all the football we've got at the moment. Shame, can't get the fans down to watch. But uh, no, all the players said. We'll get on to that because it's, a, it's a, been a packed schedule uh, for you. So we'll get on to that, um, how it affects you as players later on. But... Over the weekend, obviously on Saturday, it was the reverse fixtures from a Boxing Day. So maybe a bit of needle there for some teams. Um, and a bit a miserable Boxing Day for Yeovil. They crashed 6-1 at Torquay. They then bounced back with a win over Aldershot, which we covered in the last podcast, so we won't go on about it again. Uh, roles were reversed, though, as they stunned the league leaders. Aaron Namain looked like he'd be the Namain man as he finished after being put through on goal. But two goals <laughs> in the last three minutes from Josh Nerfil and Luke Wilkinson. And it's back-to-back wins now for Yeovil, Rob. Yeah, outstanding. And um, something I wanted to really ask Josh about, really. I, I think it's absolutely a given now that you have to accept any team in this division can beat any team. And some sometimes it's about uh, momentum, it's about confidence, and sometimes it's just purely about luck. Uh, often it's about the mental approach as well. Um, Josh, you saw Yeovil at first hand. Everybody that doesn't know football thought it would be a straightforward win for Aldershot there. Yeovil hadn't won a home game and uh, on the day, um, they were more on their game, weren't they? They got a deserved win. And, you know, they've, they've actually gone and beat and come from behind to beat the lead, lead, leaders yesterday. So, you know, there, there is no easy games, is there? I know, not definitely not in this league. I think it's uh, always been the case, really, for the last uh, few years. There's never an easy game. He said, um, I was speaking to uh, Danny So, our manager, and he, he said the two toughest games he had last year against Chorley and they were rock bottom of the league. So, yeah, we came in expecting a tough game from Yeovil. And to be fair to them, um, I said to Luke before we just aired, uh, it wouldn't surprise me if they start climbing up the table now. They're a very strong physical outfit, uh, very much suited to the style of the league. I've got a good manager in Darren Sile, very good players with heaps of experience. Uh, and you look at their results over the season, I think they've been in most of the games, uh, a lot of draws, and it's kind of swung on a knife edge. It maybe hasn't gone their way. And I think now they've found so back-to-back wins. I think they beat Bromley as well not long ago, who also up there. So, yeah, don't uh, be surprised if you see Yeovil climbing up the table. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's, I mean, it's a, real, it's a real shot in the arm for them, though. And like you say, it's a, I think the big thing for Yeovil is if team that they're trying to bully potentially stands up to them. That's when you have problems. I don't think they've... 
they've had enough goals in them this year. Like we've, we've looked at Reese Murphy and Courtney Dufus, and they haven't really done it yet, have they? Uh, this season. Uh, yeah, no. Like you said, I think we, it's been a difficult season in terms of. I think there's been a delay with the start of the season, and in terms of that, it does affect kind of your mentality. You've got sort of a body clock that's used to going back maybe July, starting in August, and. Well, you start in October, certain players you might find don't hit their form until maybe later on in the season. But uh, they've got the quality there. You, you mentioned Doofus and Rhys Murphy. Rhys Murphy said, I know Rhys really well. He's a, he's a top striker at this level. Um, he, he just It's just finding their form and it's the same throughout the league. You're gonna, different teams are going to sort of pick up form at different times. And you can see now that the league, not, it's a, not many points separate a lot of the teams, I mean, Torquay are way out in front and deservedly so, but um, I said it's a, it's a it's a time anyone gets sort of two, three wins on the bounce, you can go up loads of places, so, yeah. Josh, Josh, that's a great point. I was looking at that before we came on and between Hartlepool, who currently sit in second on 27 points, you've got Dagenham Redbridge in 18th on 18 points. There's nine points separate, what, 16 places there. So, uh, as you say, it's... Uh, couple of wins and you fly up there. That result for Torquay will have given hope to the chasing pack. It looked like Stockport would take advantage. They were two goals up through Alex Reid and John Rooney and it sounded dominant and looked like they were heading for a comfortable victory. But Altrincham had other ideas, Yusef Cissé and then what looked like a speculative strike from Ryan Colcuff meant it was two big points dropped for the Hatters, Chris. Yeah, it was, Luke. And I was preparing my uh, non-league paper report Um with about an hour, sort of 70 minutes ago, and I had to completely change it after the the, uh, the last half an hour because County were magnificent for an hour. They were really, really good. Um, certainly the first half hour, John Rooney missed a good chance to make it two a couple of minutes after uh, Alex Reid scored the first goal on, on five minutes. And um, yeah, County were brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Uh, John Rooney scored an absolute cracking goal in the, in the second half. I even put in the report that it was just a shame that there wasn't a packed Cheadleland to uh, to cheer it because it might be the best goal county score all season. Um, and then um, Altrincham were magnificent for the last thirty minutes. Uh, they got back into it through Cisse. Um Connor Hampson really sort of busted gut to pull one back from the byline, and Cisse scored on the second attempt. And as you say, that uh, Colclough effort that looked speculative but was actually magnificent as well. Got the equaliser and Altrincham had a chance in injury time. Um, Tom Pears, six yards out, tries to put it in a corner and Ben Hinchcliffe turned it round, uh, turned it round the post. So, fantastic 10 out of 10 game. It was, uh, it was a great game, but uh, definitely you would think, well, the Altrincham uh, entourage were a lot happier going home with the point than, uh, than County were. Yeah, and Chris caught up with Altrincham manager Phil Parkinson after the game. So I'm here with Phil Parkinson after uh, what is a really good point, I think, for you guys. I think so. Um, I thought we could have took all three, to be honest with you, at the end. It was a really good save from Ben. Uh, and I know Tony pulled off a few in the first half, but it took a very, very good save to talk, stop us taking all three points today. I mean, was that part of the game plan? You, you sort of kept it a bit quiet and then burst into action after about 65 minutes? No, I'm not going to lie. We, <laughs> we never set up like that. We went really positive today with the front lads. We, we changed it up. We, we've got lads who should be really excelling at this level. So Dan Mooney, Ryan Colclough. Um, so we brought them in from, obviously they've, they've had a bit of a layoff through injury. 
So we went really positive, but Stockport were a very good team and we knew at our place um, the way they kept the possession of the ball and the great result they had against Wrexham, the tails would be up and we knew it would be a difficult task, but we felt we could give them something to think about. Unfortunately, it was the other way around in the first half, they were well on top. I mean, it took a very good second goal, to be fair, to get them that two-goal lead. I mean, Rooney's was a great finish, um, couldn't have put it anywhere else, very little back lift. Um, so really pleased at half time with the way the lads responding to we, we literally we couldn't have done any more we went full press we changed certain personnel to be able to do that so obviously Toby Malarkey the centre half um, just got a little bit better legs than Richie um, and enabled Joel to go a bit higher up the pitch and it enabled us to just get a bit more pressure on their back three and they, they went to a back four I think in the end and I think we thoroughly deserved to get that point from the game because we were so positive and as I said the momentum had swung in our favour I know it got a bit end to end but I fancied us to go and win it the last couple of months have been a good one, really, for Alter. You picked up a lot of points. What's the uh, what's happened? What's the secret? We've, we've been doing it for three years, haven't we? So I don't think there's anything hidden. We just try and uh, get things right off the pitch, uh, create an environment players want to work in, make sure we get the recruitment right and the training's excellent as well. So the amount of time we get, the analysis we do with the lads, the nutrition, the the sports performance and I'm sure all the other clubs are doing it but we're in a part-time environment and we just try and cram as much in without overloading it and making it pointless as we can and the lads seem to well you can see we we don't I don't think we look like the part-time team there I think both teams look like they're playing at the same level and I, I found that this season that's the bit I was a little bit concerned about we coming into this environment would we be able to adapt physically because we, we'll play football and I'd like to think anyone who comes to watch us can see what we're trying to achieve Maybe not today where you're saying, did we set up negatively? But I think sometimes you've got to look at the opponents. We're playing against teams who are full-time, we're part-time. Sometimes we're going to have to concede the fact we're not going to have all the possession like we have probably the last three years. We always score 90 to 100 goals. We're not going to do that this year. It's probably going to be more like 50 or 60 if we're lucky. Um, but that's just because of who we're playing against. But hey, I'm looking at it and I think if we can keep being positive, keep doing the right things, keep people injury three, who knows where the season could take us. And that was Phil Parkinson and Josh Aldershot were one of the last team. I think Halifax beat Aldergham between the two games against Stockport. But before that, the last team to beat Aldergham were Aldershot. And um, I know Chris and Rob were at that game as well. And they kind of said, I'm not sure where Aldergham are going to get the goals from. And then lo and behold, they, they, they took off since then. I mean, could you see something in that, Josh? We've watched Aldergham a lot, obviously being based up north. And they keep the ball so well. But could you see sort of shoot green shoots for them? I'll be totally honest I didn't see it at the time. I probably agreed with you. Uh, I didn't see where the goals were going to come from. But you could see um, a team that wanted to try and play the right way. Uh, I think it's very difficult at their, pit, uh, their pitch at the time, uh, difficult to play on. But you could see yeah, green shoots in the sense that, yeah, they they want to try and play a certain way. And you can see they wanted to do it well. But, yeah, well, I think we were surprised as much as anyone else that um, they started putting on a really good run together and... Uh, yeah, they find themselves right at the table now. Fair play to them. Um, definitely credit to anyone that's coming up from National League North or National League South uh, to adapt to the level so quickly. And uh, yeah, no, uh, they look they look like they're doing really really well at the moment. I mean, a draw at Stockport is a massive massive result. Chris, the big thing about Phil Parkinson is as well. He's he tends to recruit players that either he knows are technically good or maybe lost the way a little bit. I mean, a case in point is. Um, Jacob Blythe, he started up front for them. He's, he's had a few clubs not really happening, and Ryan Colcliffe, he's, he's had like off the off the field matters hanging over him, and and he's brought him in and kind of given him a new lease of life, hasn't he? 
Yeah, absolutely. He's not afraid to do that. But I think most importantly, they've got to fit into the, the philosophy that um, that Altrincham have, which is is quite an attacking one. Fully enough, as you've just heard in, in that interview, I did ask Phil, I said, um, were you trying to keep it tight in the first hour and then um, and then sort of go for it after that? And he said, no, that's not absolutely not what we were trying to do. We always try and start sort of expansive and and, and go from there. And um, I think that's more, more important than anything, Luke, that they fit into that um, philosophy. They like to attack down the down the wings. And now they've got, in Cissé, they've got a really rapid striker as well. They chase anything down. He reminds me of Kubongo Shimanga, <laughs> to be honest, in the way that he plays. That's a big call, Chris. Blimey. I know it's big, but the, in the way that he plays, he's, he's a very similar type of striker. He hasn't got the goals yet. But um, he could be another Shimanga waiting to happen. Tom, are you surprised at how Altrincham are doing in the National League this year or not really after seeing them? Um, I think it's one of those where you were always looking at could they maintain that fantastic form that they kind of have had and the work that Phil Parkinson has done. He's produced a team and a, a squad and kind of a work ethic that it did so well in the Northern Premier done so well in the National League North, it's whether he could make that step up to the National League. And obviously right now it, it's working wonders and, you know, they're really impressing. And kind of if they can keep that run going, they are going to be a team to look out for for them playoffs. Uh, if for Stockport, Chris, I mean, there was a few mumblings on Twitter about Jim Gannon's substitutions yesterday. Yeah, I mean, I was... I was with Jim Gannon when he was doing his, his post-match um, interview, he made two changes just for people who don't know at halftime. And um, and one was Macaulay Southern-Hales, who was playing fantastically at, at uh, right wing back. And one was Alex Reid, who got the first goal and had a few shots on target in the, in the first half. And um, it was really surprising because they were like the two best players. But he, as he explained afterwards, they came to him at halftime and said, look, I've got a knock and I can't, um, I can't continue... With the game, and that surprised him. So he had to get Sam Minion warmed up quickly, and he had to make a change. Um, and he brought on um, Jordan Williams as well for the second half. So I think they were enforced rather than um, rather than um, something that he wanted to do, which makes sense because they were both playing really well up until that point. Josh, I just want to ask you as well. I mean, we I know in our preseason predictions, I predicted Wheelstone and Alchingham to to stay up. I think there was only. Um, Weymouth that I predicted to to struggle potentially, uh, and um, so it's it's a case of do you think I know Norma is kind of a bit of a whipping boy, isn't there amongst the newly promoted teams? Even though they're kind of in games, they tend to get beaten every week. But this year, the promoted team seems to be really strong, don't they? I think when you come off the back of a successful season, uh, you have sort of a winning mentality, a good base, and yes, it's it's tough when you come to national league because it's the quality is better, and you can see that, but that kind of togetherness and that winning mentality can give you a good platform, especially at the beginning of the season. I think you saw it awoke in last year. Um, they started off very strongly and to be fair, they've done it again this year. But um, yeah, and, and you've got players available now with the situation in football. There's a, there's a lot of good players available and you've got teams like Willstone, who I think, uh, credit to uh, Dean Brennan, have recruited very well, got some very good players in through the door. Um Similar to your Altringham's as well. You mentioned players like uh, Ryan Corcliffe played a lot higher level. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's no surprise to me. Um, it might be to the outsider looking in, but uh, no, it doesn't surprise me at all that these teams have made a good start. 
The COVID enforced break at Chesterfield clearly hasn't halted James Rowe's side. A big win for them over Solihull Moors. Tom Whelan grabbing the vital goal. They move up to 16th and they face a reverse fixture at Damson Park on Tuesday evening. And and Rob, any sort of momentum that thought they might have been lost has, has certainly done. It's not been the case, has it? I think that's a huge three points for uh, Chesterfield just to try and keep a little bit of momentum going on. Obviously, Solihull Moors, um, they're, they're underachieving this season. I think everybody knows that. But you've still got to you know, start level with them and beat them every week. It's, it's not easy. Uh, Chesterfield now actually sit top of the form table with four wins, a draw and a defeat in the last six games. Nobody, n- no team has not lost in their last six games. So um, it is huge. It, it keeps the upward momentum there for James Rowe. And, and Chesterfield are now in that position that uh, Josh, well, you guys were referring to earlier, where if they put back-to-back wins together now, or maybe three wins, they're, they're literally going to climb up from, from uh, just outside the relegation places to very close to the playoff places. So um, it was a huge win. A quick mention for uh, uh, Will Evans, who played his 100th game for Chesterfield yesterday. I did drop him a message to see if he wanted to come on, but I don't think he's actually seen it yet. So we might not get him on for uh, today. He's well blocked done, you, basically, is what you're saying. <laughs> he's, he's blocked me, yeah, no. He's a real good pro at this level. Um, I know that I don't think you've been at the same club at the same time as him, Josh, but you'll have come up against him a few times, I'm sure. And um, for a centre-back, uh, he's got quite a pass on him, that Diag, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Uh, played against him numerous times. And yeah, that, uh, that sweeping Diag has been brought up in more than one uh, pre-match analysis meetings. But yeah. Definitely. Just on that, I think you're the only uh, you're the only team who've denied James Rowe a, a victory so far since he he took over at Sheffield at uh, Sheffield <laughs> <laughs> at Chesterfield. <laughs> <laughs> leave it in, Luke. Leave it in. He might, be, he might be on his way to Sheffield. The way he's, the way it's going at Chesterfield. Yeah, you're not wrong. Uh, one thing about this game, but I did want to bring up. I don't know whether anyone's seen um, seen the video of it, but. Uh, James Rowe did mention the volunteers who managed to get the game on yesterday. There was a lot of snow on that pitch. What's happened to Orange Balls? They played with a white ball. Yeah, I thought that because they, obviously they swept the lines, didn't they? And I thought they, I thought they mentioned in the BT Sport on score yesterday that they got the yellow ball out, but you could see it in the background and they were they were charging about in the snow. And I think that's what made it even more impressive because it was obviously a blizzard at Stockport where you were as well, Chris. So credit to the players for like staying focused, I suppose. In both games <laughs> yeah definitely especially when you can't see the ball <laughs> I think getting any, yeah, getting any game on right now is an achievement uh, we've, we've talked many times this season about the league table it's ridiculous now the amount of games teams have played vary between 10 which is ironically low, uh, Dover at the bottom and 17 which is Torquay at the top and, and Altrincham as well so bearing in mind you're going to get weather postponements, you're going to get more COVID-related postponements. Um, I think get, getting as far as you can through your season is a, is, is, is a good thing. And uh, I, I was just looking at that. Am I right in thinking that Altrincham have had COVID in their camp and missed some games? And yet, they've still played the joint most. How on earth have they managed that? Yeah, but I th- they had it early on in the season, but um, mm. they had... Obviously, they had 12 days off and then they just managed... The thing is, they managed to fit all the games in because I think a lot of the games early on were at home and then when they came back, they had a lot of away games. So they went to a lot of the bigger grounds that had 
obviously good pitches and stuff like that. So they've caught up the games that way. It's just, I mean, like I say, the, the big thing is obviously the isolation period now is only 10 days, but you've got games that close together at the minute. You end up having two or three games postponed. I suppose if there was a week's difference, you, you'd only have maybe one or two, wouldn't you? So the worst time to probably get it is at Christmas when you've got like four or five games yeah. in a period of a two weeks, isn't it? Josh, Aldershot themselves haven't had COVID in the camp yet, thankfully. Um, I guess there's always the possibility that it could appear, particularly with this new strain. Um, am I right in thinking, though, even to this stage, that the, the players haven't been tested or has there been an occasion when they have? Uh, we personally haven't had like a, a team test. To be fair, we've got them available. Uh, I think we've there's actually, luckily enough, there's a, I don't know if you've been down to the, uh, the ebb recently, there's a COVID testing centre literally right next door. Yeah. So whether they've agreed to get some fast action ones for anyone that we that has like symptoms and they want to get tested straight away, luckily we've been fine. Uh, like touch wood, um, we haven't had any real problems at all, and that's credit to kind of the staff uh, putting the measures in place. Um, obviously, the the players we've got quite a responsible team that have like done well. See, sometimes it's potluck uh, and it's very unfortunate, but most of the boys have been responsible in their behaviour. And the other, I suppose, the lucky side is, like you said, not much of our opposition have uh, that we've played so far. Uh, maybe it's just like that said, a bit of the luck of the the draw in that sense. Um, so we've managed to, yeah, sixteen fixtures, which is probably one of the highest in the league to be completed. So all the shot moved up to eleventh briefly. Uh, they got knocked off that spot. We'll tell them. We'll uh, find out who knocked them off later on. But uh, it was a, a good win in the end for all the shot, wasn't it, Rob? Um, and the player who we couldn't reveal last week, Sticky Tiller, uh, he's eventually signed now, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah, um, the worst kept secret in non-league football uh, finally was revealed, I think, at zero 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 one on uh, New Year's Day. And uh, what a breath of fresh air, you know, that is for that person, Ricky Miller, for, for, for Aldershot Town Football Club. Um, I don't know that I can recall somebody who's been out of football for so long, coming back and making such an impression um, on and off the pitch. Josh can probably talk a little bit more about that, but um, it was a very strange Christmas New Year for the shots. Two very, very solid, impressive performances against Woking. They scored four goals. They conceded none, picked up all six points. And in between, obviously, um, you know, the, the game at Yeovil that we've already discussed, but Josh, um, the attitude on uh, Saturday against Woking was superb. A very, very solid performance in the first half and an outstanding one in the second. Yeah, I think the local derby always adds an edge to a game. Not that we don't go out to every game trying to sit with the same attitude, but um, no, yesterday was very good. I think we've we've showed in spates during the season that although we're probably, I think the manager said it before, we're probably the second youngest team in the league, we can put on really mature performances. And I think yesterday, don't get me wrong, they, they're a tough team working. They're, they're quite direct in the way they play. They put you under pressure with the set pieces, the long throws, but we dealt with it. And then in the second half, I think we were able to get the ball down a bit more, um, play more of our football, uh, gain a bit of territory. And then, uh, yeah, Ricky comes on, makes a big impact, um, and yeah, the, the goal comes after sort of that spell of pressure uh, and then held out comfortably for a, a massive result. And sometimes the, the scrappy one nils are the ones that you enjoy the most. So yeah, really good. 
Do we need now, to get a detective on the case, Josh? In a case rather than who done it, it's who scored it, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it's up for debate, and uh, it was up for debate straight after. I think Ricky, being Ricky, and also a, a typical striker, uh, has claimed it. But um, there's a few that could throw their hat in. I think Toby's got a fair case. Uh, he, he he said that Jeff Stenning on Sky Sports has given it to t- uh, to him, but. Uh, I cannot argue that I pretty much got the last touch as well. So if it's not me, then I'm saying it's a it's a woken own goal. So uh, yeah, we'll leave it to the dubious uh, goals panel to decide that one. Leave well, your phone off, Josh. Is all I'm saying because Ricky yeah. will love you now, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> What's not in doubt is that uh, it, it's um, it's yourself that's uh, made the non-league papers team of the day. So congratulations on that. Um, stepping up as you are, you know the club's vice captain, but. Uh, more games than not of late, you've actually skipped the side in the absence of Jamie Sendles White. And uh, your thoughts on uh, you know what it's like to be leading a team so relatively young? Because I think you're only 27, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's it's a, it's fairly new for me. I, I think I've always been not. I never shied away from sort of uh, leading a team in some form. But I think I think nowadays you need like a few. Uh, leaders, but I think this is the first time I've ever really had the captain's armband, so to speak. And uh, yeah, unfortunately, uh, Jamie's out uh, currently. He's got a slight knee problem, uh, and before that, he had a, had a calf problem. So I've had to step in for quite a few games now. And um, yeah, kind of relished it. It's um, it's made me kind of think about the game more. Um, I think I've had to probably curb my natural instincts as a player this season. Uh, where before probably a lot more marauding into the box. Uh, I've had to be a bit more disciplined uh, and try and organise us as a team. Uh, and yeah, no, it's been it's been good. A game like yesterday was sort of perfect in that sense. It was one of those games where it was quite tight and scrappy, but you needed to talk it through. Uh, but it's been a it's been a pleasure really to with the boys we've got. We've got a young squad, but they're it's a real good characters, real good lads, and. Um, yeah, said at the moment it's just it's a temporary thing, really. Jay's Jay's the captain, uh, and hopefully we can get him back fit along with a few other boys that we've currently got on the sidelines who are also big characters and leaders. The likes of uh, Lewis Consider, Craig Tanner, um, big big players at this level. So uh, yeah, enjoying it for now. And how's Cody Lyons Foster? He looked like he was pretty beaten up on the photo that we saw on Twitter. Got a, he got a nice little boot in the face from uh, from Giles, um, but no, Cody. Be fair to him; he's as he's as brave as anything. Cody will put his head in places where most people wouldn't dare. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's not great for the money maker, but um, he'll be all right as long as he, he's uh, he's fit for for next Saturday because he's been he's been superb. To be fair to him, he had a spell out of the team last week, but um, I think he's proved to the manager that uh, he sh- he should be there. That's his shirt now. Because um, to be be fair to Cody. He's probably he'd be up there for one of our players of the season at the moment. He's been outstanding. I'd agree. I'd agree with that, Josh. And I'll stand up and be counted as as, as someone who's you know been constructively critical of, of Cody. Um, you know, prior certainly to the last two or three months, where I think he's matured tremendously, and uh, I think probably was a, a straight call between him and and you for the man of the match yesterday. You got it. Uh, given it by the Woking commentators and, 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 and myself watching the game. Do you have to take a different sort of satisfaction now, Josh? Because as you say, in the past, 
and and you'll not lose that tag. The highest scoring midfielder in the league, 19 goals, what three four seasons ago. There has to be a lot lot more well sort of rounded game for you now, isn't it? Yeah, no, definitely. I think. Um... Don't get me wrong, individual accolades are great and every player wants to score a goal. But uh, I did say this season, and I said it to Danny Searle before I signed, I, I kind of want to be part of something uh, successful and I don't mind having a responsibility within the dressing room. But um, with that responsibility, it's, I suppose you've got to look out for everyone, really, and, and you have to be a lot less selfish. I mean, look, football's a team game, but don't get me wrong, there's a lot of players that... And I said, you could look at the obvious examples like your strikers. They're kind of the selfish sort of players, but they were the ones that score the goals. But uh, no, this season I've had to definitely curb a few of my natural instincts, but it's been enjoyable, especially when you get sort of wins like you did, uh, like we did yesterday. Uh, other performances that we've had against like your like Notts County, big, big performances where, you've, yeah, and with the young team, and I enjoy, I enjoy sort of talking to some of them players through the game, so to speak. And we've, we've got some great characters. I mean, Another shout out to someone, Moodfield partner yesterday up at Whittingham. He said, brilliant. And he's, he's a great lad as well. He's got so much energy, so much legs, but he's also willing to listen as well. And I don't mind sort of giving him that sort of information because he takes it on board. And um, he said he's, he's chipped in with a couple of goals. He had a chance yesterday where he's hit the post. So, yeah, I, for me, I think that's just part and parcel of maturing as a player. You've got to sort of give something back, so to speak. On Woking then, that's three games without a win, three games without a goal. Yeah, it's really hard. It's really hard to give you an objective opinion on on, on Woking because I've now seen them play three times this season and, and, and Josh will recall himself the FA Cup game was probably the most, the, the worst spectacle of the three games. None of the none of the games between Aldershot and, and, and Woking have been a great watch. They've been an absolute grind, all three of them. Um, and so in the games I've seen, I haven't seen them at their best. For some reason, they don't seem to be able to hit the heights when they play uh, against Aldershot. But you've only got to look at their record for, for, for a fully part-time team, one of only two or three in the division. Again, you know, 21 points out of the 16 games, sat a healthy uh, 11th place in the table. Um, and uh, Dows is very, very good at finding the players uh, Josh, isn't he? And, and finding a way to, to, to get results in this league. Yeah, no, I think Alan Dowson's proved that he's a very good manager uh, at this level um, with obviously the constraints of being a part-time football team. Uh, I thought, I think looking at his team, his recruitment, especially in the loan market, has been very good this year. But they're a tough team. They they put you under pressure. Um, I think the goals possibly have dried up a bit. I think... Uh, the, the lad Davidson was on fire um, pre-Christmas period and I think maybe things haven't fall, fall for him as much in the last few games. But um, I think they had a similar spell last year where they started the league on fire, very had poor throughout Christmas time. And then towards the end where the COVID, uh, COVID hit, um, they were on form again. So um, now I'm sure he'll get it right. Um, they'll be a tough team for any in this league uh, that's for sure. Busy time of year over Christmas. How, how as a player do you do you adapt? I mean, is it do you virtually just play matches and don't train? Yeah, I mean, the key I think really is recovery. Uh, it's the main word for this time of year. I think um, the games are quite relentless, and it's just about getting your body right for each game. And um, 
very much so. I think, to be fair to uh, Danny Searle, he's given us a lot of trust. So he's allowed us a bit more time with our families and he's trusted us to do our own recovery within. And we've got a pretty professional group, so it's it's been, it's been good in that sense. Um, yeah, training is very much would be sort of tactics, not too much physical output because, yeah. And I'll be honest, it's going to be the same for most of the season. I think we've got seven games in January. Uh, February is a 28-day month and we've got five or six games. So that's going to be the story throughout the season. Who utilises their squad the best? Who sort of recovers the best? Uh, it'll be very interesting to see kind of the results towards the end of the season because even now we're, what, 16 games in and you're starting to feel a bit of the aches and pains. I mean, I woke up this morning quite sore. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a tough one, but uh, there's nothing better really than uh, the Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday. Um, I, it's my favourite uh, time of year. So did Casey okay, so just go in and uh, get a rub down and, and a tactical chat? Is that it, really? Yeah, no, we'll, we will be on the grass, um, but it won't be kind of uh, any lung-busting uh, work uh, now. It, the, the, the difficult part is for, probably for the lads that maybe aren't in playing as much to keep their fitness, and that's the skill of the... Uh, a good uh, coaching team to be able to keep them boys ready and uh, fair, fair play. T- to be fair, we had boys come in yesterday. I think we made four changes, and they've all they all came in and did really well, uh, despite not all playing a lot of minutes recently. So um, yeah, it's very much it'll be like active recovery, like you say, a bit of tactics and um, sort of uh, team shape, uh, and then it, you bang you you into the next game. So yeah. Making small changes to your lifestyle could improve your chances of staying healthier longer. Start now by taking our free How Are You quiz. Just search One You. So there was a North London derby at the Hive between Barnet and Boreham Wood in a live BT Sport game. Beforehand, Tim Flowers had said he'd gone into Barnet with his eyes wide open. Well, his bees were pretty much swatted away in the first half, weren't they? Kabango Shimanga with a goal that we normally associate with a Tim Flowers side rather than a Luke Garrard side. It was a long pump forward, a flick on by Matt Reed and Shimanga slotted it home. Then Miles Judd had a rush of blood and was sent off after handballing it on the line. No real complaints from anyone there. And then Shimanga scored the penalty before Tom Champion rounded it off with a header from a corner. And uh, Luke Garrard could have had his pipe and slippers on in the second half, Rob, couldn't he? He could, but, you know, as, as Aldershot found against Woking on Boxing Day, if you're 3-0 up at half-time, you can manage the game. Uh, you don't have to be spectacular in the second half. Uh, it's a big job for Tim Flowers, a really big job, because I think um, I, I think it's already been a tough season for Barnet. You know, a lot of the... They've had a big, big budget cuts. Um, and so there's going to take a little period of time where he kind of get reshuffles it, reorganises it. He's already bought two or three in. Um, I'll get, as Josh will, up close hand uh, next weekend, just seven days' time, Aldershot will get a chance to to see Barnett. And I think that'll be a fascinating matchup, won't it, Josh? Because Barnett will be desperate to dig in, to get something, to get their first uh, points under um, Tim Flowers. And uh, Aldershot will be determined to try and put some back-to-back results together with a bit of consistency. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's a it's a big, big game for us next week because uh, it's something we've probably failed at this season to really back up good results uh, consecutively. Barnet um, haven't really seen much of them this season. Obviously, seen the results, um, shipped in a lot of goals and obviously there was a change of manager and 
Tim Flowers, I was Bromley. Uh, when he, him and Mark Yates come into Solihull and they totally changed that round with Solihull were dead and buried and uh, ended up staying up quite comfortably in the end. So I expect he's going to come in and make a, a big difference. Uh, yes, they like, sort of, he likes, prefers a direct style of play. So we, we, we've got to come next week and prepare for that. Um, but yeah, yeah, no no surprise for me. I think Bourne Woods uh, are going to be up there again this season. I think you look at their squad, um, one to eleven. Uh, there's so much experience in there. Um, we 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 more than matched them when we played, but um, they, they nicked one in the last minute. But you could just see the way they manage the game, and they've got a little bit of quality with uh, Shimanga up front, um, Thomas and uh, Kane Smith, the wing backs, always threat, threatening as well. So yeah, no, they're a good team. It's a great finish from Shimanga for the first goal, wasn't it, Rob? And uh, should have had a penalty as well. Potentially could have had his hat-trick. I know he wasn't too happy being hauled off, but obviously they've got a lot of games coming up, including that FA Cup game against Millwall next week. And then there was rumours as well abound that there's league clubs looking at Zorba Thomas, hence why he wasn't in the squad yesterday. I wouldn't be surprised at that at all. Every time I've seen Zorba Thomas play, he's been impressive. He's been a handful. And I think in his position... Uh, if I had to pick a National League eleven, I, I would probably pick Sorba Thomas in it. Shimanga is a very, very efficient striker. He, he scores a lot of goals. Yes, he does take penalties, and that's what helps you get to twenty goals a season. But um, you know, and and he, you know, he hadn't previously done that well against Aldershot until recently when he, he did get on the score sheet. But um, you know, those twenty goal a season strikers are, are hard to come by, and. Uh, Let's let's see how many he gets to this season. Just looking at the um, top scorers in the division, he's uh, a, a little bit behind the, the levels he was at in the last couple of seasons, but uh, I wouldn't bet against him getting 20 this season. Do you want to chat yeah. about Bromley? I know they didn't play, but they're well up there, aren't they? Yeah, it's not surprising for me, to be honest. Um, he's at, uh, Neil Smith's only kind of built on the, the foundations of the squad that he had last year, and I'll be totally honest, we underachieved... Uh, Last year we were right up there, and then had a had a really bad spell on the t- this about this t- around this time. Um, and these kind of added little said uh, added little bit of quality and kept a lot of the good players we already had. And you've always got a chance when you've got a striker like um, Cheeky playing, who's going to guarantee double figures in goals. So don't I wouldn't be surprised if they're in the round of playoffs come the end of the season. It just depends how if they can keep that level of consistency. But um, yeah, and I think they've had a, they had a little bit of an outbreak of COVID, so they haven't had any games over, over the Christmas period. But um, yeah, they're still in a strong position. So yeah, no, I, I think we've got them in the end of January uh, live on the, on the, on the box. So no, looking forward to that one. Do you think Michael Cheek's a good bet at the moment for top scorer in the division? He's got nine. He leads the way with, uh, Sam Barrett at uh, Maidenhead at the moment, and they've played, as I say, just the 14 games. So he's only a third of the way through his season. He's looking good for 20-plus, isn't he? Yeah, no, I, uh, just playing with Cheeky, surprisingly, uh, he actually misses quite a lot of chances as well. So it wouldn't surprise me if he could be on double figures by now. Um, he always seems to be in, in around that the right place at the right time, and he'll, he'll, he'll get the service with... Uh, Rico Hackett, Fairchild, Luke Coulson, um, both very, very good players at this level, giving that service. Um, so he'd be one of my bets. Uh, I'll, I'll throw in a little shout now that a certain Ricky Miller, um, I don't think nine goals he would fancy himself with still, what, 30-odd 
28 games to play. Um, if he can get himself fit, uh, I think he'd fancy himself to be in and around it. Is this you trying to redeem yourself after claiming his goal yesterday? <laughs> yeah. Got to, got, to give it, uh, got to give it some balance. Otherwise, uh, he'll be two-footing me in training uh, on Monday. Uh. And uh, he, hasn't, he hasn't blocked Rob after all. He's, uh, he's joining us now. It's Chesterfield defender Will Evans. Hiya, Will. Hiya, how are you doing? You okay? Yeah, really good. Cheers. And, uh, well, you boys are fine, aren't you? Since James Rose coming, you're unbeaten and a really good win against Solihull. Yeah, it's been a positive start, obviously, under uh, the new manager. Obviously, I know him from previous uh, older shot. So, yeah, it's been a positive positive start. Um, obviously, for a defender, we've had, I think, five clean sheets now um, out of the six games. So, it's um, been a very, very good start for us. It's not easy, Will, is it, to um, suddenly turn around a team's confidence? I mean, yes, Rowe comes in on the back of a good management spell at the, the division below, but... You know, heads were, you know, chins were a little bit on chests when he arrived, weren't they? To be fair, nothing was really going right. No, that's, well, I've been, this is my third season there now, and it's sort of, it's been sort of a strange cycle. First, obviously, with Martin Allen, it's sort of similar thing. New manager come in, new faces, and we started off very well, and then it sort of went downhill very quickly. And then John Sheridan come in, same again, start, finished the season off well high expectations and stuff. And then it, again, went downhill very quickly again. So um, it's sort of been a bit like that uh, since I've been there. But hopefully um, we can just continue a, a good start and a good momentum because, like you said, it's probably, like you said, it was a maybe a strange appointment in some ways. But I think the way the club wanted to go was a bit, um, was a fresh idea really, which which they've done. Um I spoke to the owner about it, and he was he was quite pleased with obviously everything that James had to say um, and stuff. So I think it's a it's a positive move from their point of view as well. And uh, yourself, Will, you just played your hundredth, uh, made your hundredth appearance for for Chesterfield. It, it's amazing where the time goes, isn't it? You know, it feels like uh, a few months back. I would say cheerio to you when you left Aldershot. A hundred games already. I've got a feeling I might know the answer to this, but. What's been your best moment in a Chesterfield shirt? Um, and was it an yeah. outfield player's shirt? Or <laughs> yeah. Um, obviously, yeah, there's obviously that game against Edsfield. Um, yeah, the 3-3 draw, saving the penalty in the 98th minute or whatever it was. So that was, yeah, obviously just a strange game all round. So one that obviously... I think players that obviously played in it and whatever probably won't ever forget. Um, but no, obviously there's, there has been some, um, some pretty good games just, but yeah, I think obviously that one, yeah, it's, it's, it's been probably the highlight just because there hasn't been many, many games, should I say that we've, um, we've done too well in, should I say. Um, did you, um, I'm trying to remember now, did you score a couple or at least one in that game as well? Yeah, so I scored the so three 0 down at half time, and yeah. then I scored the three three to, to make it three three in the ninety second minute, I think it was, and then yeah, ninety fifth, ninety sixth minute, I think the keeper got sent off. One other question, I, I, honestly, I haven't been stalking you, will, but I saw on your Facebook this morning somebody put a photo of that of you just before that um, that save 
And uh, the, the bit, the thing that's bewildering me is how come we can see half of your playing shirt and half of the goalkeeper jersey? What was all that? About? Did, you, did you just not pull it down? <laughs> I couldn't get it on properly. <laughs> well, I was ready. Someone, so the kit man ran over and gave me the gloves. No, actually, I took the as the keeper was walking off, got sent off or whatever. I said, "I'll oh, give us your gloves," like sort of thing. So mm. I took his gloves and I was stood there in my in my uh, outfield shirt, and the referee said. Well, you need a, uh, you can't wear that. So it's going on for a few minutes or whatever. And the, the kit man ran over and gave it to me. And I was trying to put it on with gloves on as well. And I was just, and I was getting a bit of a faff anyway. I wasn't. And so I stood there. I didn't even realize because obviously you're wearing your shirt and stuff. So I didn't even realize. And I obviously, yeah, it just got stuck. And yeah, it was a bit of a. That must so, be what put the striker off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, time, time wasting. So. <laughs> You look like you got your head down saying a prayer as well. <laughs> I know, yeah. Well, I think I was. <laughs> well, I just wanted yeah. to ask. Obviously, it's um, it's been a couple of scenes of frustration for Chesterfield. I mean, where where's it all gone wrong? Now it looks like the corner's being turned with obviously James Rowe coming mm. in. But can you pinpoint anything yeah. over why it's not been great the last couple of years? It's hard to say, really, because I think uh, there's been a lot of a lot of factors. Obviously, the previous owners there was a lot of tension between the fans and the previous owners. And then I think with the managers they appointed, they probably not saying they're bad managers or whatever, because I I got on well with them and I worked well with them, but it probably just wasn't the right thing for Chesterfield at the time. I think now, like what they've done with bringing someone completely fresh, completely out there with James Rowe, um, a completely different idea to what they've ever, probably ever had, and it it just seems like the fans wanted something to cheer about, and there wasn't much for them to cheer about, and it was just and it was a, not a very nice atmosphere around the whole place. Like I said, the previous owners they had a lot of bad, a lot a lot of bad tension um, with the fans and the previous owners. Um, well, I think we've had three or four pitch invasions and protests outside the ground and stuff. So it was a very bad place to be in certain times. But um, but yeah, and obviously the new owners, uh, the community of trust have taken over and stuff. And as a, as a real positive thing, I think it just, it just needed a, like, like I said, like a new, a whole new era. Um, it just needed a, a complete clear out with everything and stuff and bringing new faces in obviously James uh, brought new faces in and stuff and I think it, it, it's made, made a massive difference I suppose and you could feel that tension a little bit when you're on the pitch and maybe like you <clears> say <throat> there was a lot of nerves around the squad then mm, yeah definitely and um, and even like it sounds silly but when you come to like even as a player like when I turned up to sign um, and like Aldershot I came from Aldershot and it's it's a it's a good place to play. Don't get me wrong, like, but it's compared to, like the older shot, like just the stand, like the ground and everything. You turn up to Chesterfield. It's a pro- it's a proper football club. It's a football league club, and it and players go there and they think, well, I want a bit of this and things like that. Do you know what I mean? So it, even that, people come to Chesterfield and they do step up their game. They might they might not think it, but psychologically that you do because. You, everyone, everyone wants to play at the highest level. It doesn't matter who you are. You want to play at the highest level you possibly can. And when you see 
turn up to places like Chesterfield as a player, you want to do your best regardless. It's I think and that didn't help us as well. You've got to have a different mentality, haven't you, Will? And if you're playing for a Chesterfield or a Notts County or a, a Wrexham, uh, you've got to have the right attitude, haven't you? Otherwise, you're literally there to be shot at week in, week out by some of the smaller teams. Yeah, 100%. Well, like I remember being at Aldershot and the, like, say, for instance, like Tramia at the time, you, you want to go there, you want to win. Like, you want to beat those bigger clubs um, because well, at the end of the day, you're in the shop window as well um, as a player. So um, if you can get there and obviously play for the, play for, say, a bigger club at the time. I'm not saying, obviously, we were somewhere that you'd want to go position-wise, league-wise, but as a club, as a whole, people, you, you, you do hear things, don't you? You want to go and play for the, the biggest club in the league at the time. Going to your places like uh, Chesterfield, your Knox Counties, where you can see the history within the ground. Uh, pitch is usually a carpet, facilities a top draw. Um yeah, you you do lift your game, if anything, because you, you feel kind of you're on that sort of platform. Uh, and especially, obviously, not at the moment, but when the, the fans are in the ground, you, you're getting attendances of five, 6,000. And it does raise your game. And I said credit to those big teams that have made it out of uh, this league. Um, it's, it's a hard task because, hey, look, in, in all the shops' case, yeah, it's a big club, but uh, compared to... The really big ones. The really big ones, yeah. <laughs> you're, under, you're under a lot of pressure. And it said, if it's the media, the fans, uh, they've all got an opinion. And so now it's said, when the results are good, it's all good. But when they're not, um, it must be hard. It must be a cauldron. Yeah. It's like I said, like when I played at Aldershot, you, you get the odd people booing you or whatever. You get the odd <laughs> groan and stuff. But that's just it's... Rob. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm used to Rob. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's like you said, it is. It is just a. It's a completely. It is a completely different ball game, and even like silly things like, I've got people. It sounds silly, but even like message me on um, social medias and stuff where like you don't really need that in when you you're not doing so well and you get that like you don't have. I didn't have that at older shot. You might get the odd one or two, but you don't get a bombardment of abuse because they just mm. seem seem a bit more the fans don't get me wrong the fans are very good but they are very more they're vo- a lot more vocal um which can obviously can be beneficial when <laughs> when you're winning and stuff but sometimes when you're losing it can be can take its toll on a lot of players absolutely um we'll talk about another one of your former clubs will easily they've um did you against weymouth on saturday that's um it's five games without a win, although they have drawn the last three. So they've kind of, they've stagnated a little bit over Christmas, haven't they? Yeah, I think they've been a bit stop-start, haven't they, at the moment? And um, with injuries and stuff, I think they've had a, a few injuries. Um, so it, it's hard. Like I was speaking to a former uh, teammate of mine, Scott Rendell, um, who was obviously at Eastleigh as well, just yesterday. And he, like even they haven't, he's at Maidstone, and they haven't played since 1st of December. And I was saying like the stop starting people is it's going to be very hard to get back. Like we had 10 day isolation um, over the Christmas period and to come back into then training full time, it is going to be hard for a lot of teams to keep going. Um, and then you're going to have to play Tuesday, Thursday, Saturdays and to sustain a high level of um, 
of commitment from all the players is going to be hard. And especially like Eastley, I know they don't have a massive, massive squad. Um, so it, it's going to take its toll, I think, on a lot of teams throughout the back end of the season. Did you, did you play with Ben? Did you play with Ben Strevens? Yeah, I played with Ben, yeah. Right. So, yeah, I know I'm, I'm quite close with him. Speak to him now and then as well. So he's, he's a really good friend, man, actually. He's a really nice guy. Do you think you, when, when you played with him, could you see him being management material? Did you look at him and go, yeah, he'll do a good job as a manager? I don't know, really. Like, it's one of them. You don't really... I think the transition between a player and manager is completely different as well. And I think, like you said, when you do play with him, obviously I played with him coming towards his end of his career and he was he had bundles of experience. And um, I was fairly young lad um, at the time. Um, but yeah, he was just, everything he did, he did with a lot of passion and commitment. And you can, when you actually do sit back and look at it, and you probably think, yeah, he's got, he has got managerial. Um, credentials. Yeah, credentials, yes. Cheers. <laughs> I was trying to get the word out. Um, but yeah, so, and he's, the way, just even speaking to him as a, a normal person or as a teammate, he he's very knowledgeable and he's very, um, you can speak to him in a lot of comfort um, and a lot of ease. So I think as, as a manager, he's, he's probably good at getting the best out of his players by that as well, because he's, he can speak to his players in, in the right manner, um, which I've seen. And he's on the sideline. He's very passionate, um, which he was as a player. He was very completely different person on the pitch to off the pitch. It was, it was quite strange really. And Will, we uh, can't uh, let you go. Well, we won't necessarily let you go yet, but we can't let you go without mentioning our other special guest who's not been introduced, but who we can hear in the background. I know you're uh, you're a proud father. Tell us who's in the room with you, <laughs> apart from the dog. Yeah, no, it's my, li- my youngest one, she's um, five months. You know, she was five months at the end of the month. So she's just Brilliant. over five months now, Maeve, little Maeve. So, yeah, she's just starting to turn over and crawl and stuff. I'm trying to start to crawl, but she's getting a bit frustrated. <laughs> I, mean, I can just see her just getting frustrated, trying to get her toys. So, uh, fantastic. And did you, men- yeah. you mentioned about self-isolating over Christmas. Mm. I also... Looking at my non-league paper, I see you're on six yellows as well. Did you time that one just right? Did you did oh, you no, get yeah, Christmas yeah. at home with the family, mate? Yeah, so we uh, it was just this isolation thing was a real strange one. Um, like the lad who got tested, he he had no like symptoms or anything. He just it was just like a random test, and then he ended up um, testing positive. So we all had to isolate for ten days. Um, I think that was the twenty. 20- 20th or 21st I think the Saturday just before because we were supposed to play Dover on the Tuesday um, so yeah we had to self-isolate but I missed the game against um, so I picked up the book in Sutton away my fifth book in so then I had to miss Barnet which was a 6-0 win at home so I was a bit gutted about that as well because um, <laughs> biggest win of the season and you're sat in the sand and you're thinking oh no you're not going to get back in the team now so but um, but no, yeah. So it was good. Um, but it was, it was it was a strange one. I was saying a few people have asked me like, was it a nice thing? But I don't know about uh, you, uh, Josh. But like for me, the build up to Christmas in a way has always been football. And to be off, like, I was off from the Saturday, obviously to the 
for, for 10 days. So the Christmas, I was on off for what, five days before and then obviously the Christmas day and stuff. And it was, it was just a bit odd in a way that it didn't quite feel like Christmas in a way because like you're normally training and then you think, all right, we've got boxing day game and stuff coming up and you're always thinking about that. But I hadn't and I wasn't thinking about that and completely switched off. But it was nice, don't get me wrong, but it was a strange feeling as well. So it was, um, but I think, yeah, it sort of worked out perfectly, obviously with the two young, well, two girls and that now. So um, it worked out perfect, really. Josh, any thoughts on Christmas? Have you had one off through injury or suspension or anything? Uh, no, no, usually I've been all right. Um, I think this year, I totally agree with everyone, well, my us being in the south being stuck in sort of a tier four situation i think that it was nice to actually be able to get out the house uh albeit working um but football said it's been a bit of a savior so a lot of family members i know friends uh all stuck at home um twiddling their thumbs and said we were lucky this year where yeah we've got a lot of games able to sort of uh to play keep said keep the fixtures and uh yeah, but I've, I think I've been lucky enough to always be kind of fit and available uh, around the Christmas period. And it is and it is enjoyable uh, as much as I said, like, I get out of bed today and struggling to walk um, because we've had so many games. But uh, it's, it's nothing, there's nothing like it. Um, Boxing Day, yeah, I probably have to curb the uh, too much turkey and Yorkshire puddings on Christmas Day. <laughs> but it's, it's always nice on Boxing Day to sort of run it off um, and hopefully get a good re- result like we did against Woking to boot. Two on the bounce now. Seems to yeah. just always be them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm not 100% sure. I think it's seven. League seven. I, I saw something on Twitter. It's been a, it's yeah. been a long... Obviously, yeah. Because I remember, obviously, my time, we beat them uh, a few, few times. Oh, must have been, obviously, all four times. Uh, and the FA Cup doesn't count, of course. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> does it, Josh? <laughs> you, need to, you need to send out a warning to any Woking fans that subscribe to your podcast because it's not been a great episode for them is it really yeah well josh um that's great thanks for joining us thank you very much for having me uh, pleasure no anytime guys uh, mm. uh stay safe and uh yeah hope to see you soon so we're gonna move on and look now at the national league north and then the National League North, it was mainly the action at the top, wasn't it, Tom? Um, Gloucester, they stayed top, despite only getting a draw at Leamington in the end. Yeah, and I think, you know, with the form that Leamington are on and the circumstances regarding the draw, it's actually quite a good point for Gloucester to go in at half-time, a goal up. And, you know, it looked like they were going to get the win, but a big red card, daily getting a two yellows, and they concede then a few minutes later through junior English and... I think you know it kind of showed the mantle that Gloucester have that they were able to get something from it because obviously Leamington have been one of the form teams in the league so far. Yeah, they they always continue to surprise, don't they? I think their only defeat recently in the last sort of thirteen games was that Boxing Day defeat, wasn't it? Yeah, and that was a really tough game as well, where it was kind of one of these battles where Gloucester just had that bit of quality in the end to get that win. So. You know, I think I think it's a good point for Gloucester, but it also shows the quality that Leamington have, and you know, it starts that run again of them trying to maintain an unbeaten run. Yeah, Gloucester remains seven points clear behind them. No, only three points separate Kidderminster in second and Brackley 
in the final playoff place. And it was a tale of two penalties at Agra, wasn't it? Yeah, and I think, again, it's it's one of these where I think Kidderminster were a bit disappointed afterwards that they weren't able to, to get the win. But with Hereford, they've got a striker, you know, in John Lewis, who's on form. And the work that Josh Gowling's done, he knew the importance of John Lewis, just, you know, the impact that he would have on that team. And he's certainly showed that quality that he's got getting another goal. And, you know, it's one of those, in the end, both teams, bit little bit, disappointed neither team were able to win but I think both sides will look at that as a pretty good point in the end of it yeah better fortunes though for the teams in third and fourth who were a Chester and AFC failed both good wins for them yeah and I think you know the quality of Ben Tollett shone through you know really really good hat trick he's somebody who if he hadn't picked up the injuries he would be playing at a much higher level than the National League North and you know, when he was at Tranmere breaking through there, he, you know, he was an outstanding player. He just one of those who kept getting knocks and niggles and then he got quite a bad one. But, you know, he's gone to Fylde who, you know, they started with a couple of results that weren't ideal, but they're getting that momentum now. And obviously Jim Bentley's getting a full recovery now after his surgery. So I think, you know, it's been a good couple of weeks for Fylde and surely, you know, obviously they've got one eye on that game against Derby County coming up. But I don't think that was an excuse for this. I do think it was just a case that Fylde were just too good on the day. Yeah, Fylde have been, they kind of ground out the results at the start of the season. Then they've had a, a couple of slip-ups. So like you say, that was a really convincing win and sent out a statement against Charlie. As you say, they, they were in form, weren't they? Yeah, and I think when you look at the, the quality of signings that they made, they signed so many players that you would not see out of place in a National League team. There were big, big expectations on AFC Fylde that they would be the team that would kind of storm the, the league at times. But, you know, a couple of difficult results, but they're starting to pick up that form again. And I think that that's the thing for them is it's another clean sheet as well because they've got all these attacking players and a lot of attacking prowess. They've also got a lot of experience at the back. And, you know, I think, what, what is it that they say? Dolls win your matches, but defences can win your titles. And I think that could be a key difference at the end of it. Yeah, and Chester, they beat Dickie's beloved Telford by three goals to nil, albeit Telford had a man sent off. But uh, I think Telford had a spell, didn't they, through, towards the end of the first half where they were had Chester on the back foot, but ultimately they ran out comfortable winners, didn't they, Chester? Yeah, well, I was going to say Dickie has a, a day off every time Telford lose, doesn't he? So I'm not, I'm not surprised <laughs> I'm here after that. But no, I think, you know, look, I think for, for Telford, it was kind of one of those where You've got Anthony Dudley just bang on form and, you know, that incredible assist he pulled off against Telford last week. He's then brought that into this game as well and he he got on the score sheet. And, you know, for Chester, they're one of these sides that, you know, they've lost some really good players, the likes of Taylor going to Chesterfield, you know, players like that. But they've kept a lot of quality as well and they'll be a team. They'll be in and around them come the end of it. Yeah, and the final game was Brackley. They leapfrogged Spennymore. A late equaliser from Shane Byrne cancelled out Callum, Powell, Callum, Callum Powell's penalty in the Northamptonshire derby. Yeah, and it was, a, I mean, it was, you know, 89th minute. It really did look like Kettering were going to be picking up a massive three points for, you know, Paul Cox afterwards spoke of his disappointment that they just weren't able to hold on. But Again, you know, Kevin Wilkins' side, at home, they're, they're a team over the years with Wilkins in charge. Their home record is so impressive for the amount of games they don't lose. And, you know, it shows that 
that mentality that they've got that they've been able to push men forward right at the end and get something. And you know, at the end of it, end of the season, that could prove to be a very important point for them. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, the weather was a big winner in the National League North, wasn't it? Snow and snow and ice ended up calling a few games off. Yeah, and it, you know, a lot of frustration as well. The game I was planning to go to, well, well, there were two games I was planning to go to because Farsley's game was called off on the Friday due to a frozen pitch and then York City's was called off on the Saturday due to a frozen pitch. So I suppose the only positive is at least it's not been COVID that's been calling yeah. the games off this week, but well, hopefully it'll be falling out a little bit now. Yeah, what was interesting to see was Steve Watson. He appeared to have what looked like a screwdriver and he was tapping it on the ground. It wouldn't even fit in the ground. So he's kind of like, yeah, right decision in the end. Yeah, I mean, the, apparently it was one of those. The referee threw the ball in the air and it just didn't bounce at all. So I think it was one of those. It was a very quick pitch inspection. And, you know, player safety has to be the paramount. Obviously frustrating for York that that was going to be if not the last, certainly one of the last games at Bootham Crescent. So we're going to have a look now at the National League South. And again, like the North, only five games in the South due to various reasons. Let's start with a big two games of the day, though. Hampton and Richmond Borough clashed with Dorking at the Beverley, where Wes Fogden cancelled out Ryan Gonda's first half penalty. And Hampton will be pleased not to have lost at home in what was a really interesting and tight game against Dorking. Yeah, they will. I think there was a couple of potentially bad omens for Hampton going into that one. One, their, you know, their poor home form, which they just can't seem to put behind them. And two, the fact that Dorkin, who we all know are a very, very good side, will have been smarting from the uh, Boxing Day defeat. So, um, yeah, they very nearly got that home win, but uh, they did get pe- uh, pegged back by uh, Fogden uh, about 23 minutes from time. Uh, but overall, I would imagine um, that... Uh, uh, Gary, uh, Gavin McCann would have been uh, relatively pleased with a point and four out of six against Dorking. Yeah, there was a top serve game in Hampshire as well. Haven't and Waterlooville led 2-0 at half-time against Hungerford through a rare Craig Robson goal and the Maltese international Sam Magri. But Hungerford came out the box quickly in the second half. Two quick-fire goals from Ryan Seeger brought them back level. But Betsedi Gomez and that man Tommy Wright scored once again. Yeah, they got the job done and, and, and they, they, um, they're starting to look uh, a solid bet. It must be difficult. Although Haven and Waterlooville are not a big club, I think there's big expectations for them in that division, having previously done well. Uh, and full-time as well. Being full-time and having Doswell as their manager. And so it's a different kind of expectation to those big clubs we were talking about, the Chesterfields and Notts Counties and Wrexham in the in the league above. Um, but there is almost an expectation that they'll be up there. To be fair as well, they've only played 10 games. Uh, so 20 points from 10 games, two points a game. That, by the end of the season, two points a game will have you right up there at the business end. Comeback of the day was at Chelmsford, where the home side trailed 2-0 at home to Braintree at half-time, which would be a bit of a, a head-scratcher for Robbie Simpson. But they came storming back to win by four goals to two, and, and that was a much-needed win for Chelmsford. It was, and uh, when you look at the league table, for them, it didn't look pretty uh, before yesterday. Those three points will feel huge for them. Uh, doesn't do much for Braintree's cause and... Uh, you know, you do wonder, you know, for Braintree, which clubs, if any, they're going to be able to climb above in the remainder of the season. Um, probably the, uh, the the biggest shock for me when I look at the National League South table 
is is that Slough sit there on 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 just nine points. Uh, they're a side I saw in pre-season, and I expected them to be up the the the, the other end of the table. Yeah, it's not been a, a not been a great season for Slough, but good to see. Uh, Charlie Sheringham and Adam Morgan amongst the scorers for Chelmsford City. Now, Dartford, they stay second, but had a nil-nil draw against Kent rivals Ebsley. I'm sure Ebsley will be much happier with that, won't they? Yeah, that's a decent point. Anybody going to Steve King's Dartford and coming back with a point or three has had a good day at the office. Uh, slight loss of momentum for Dartford at the moment, but it's not looking too bad for them, is it? They're a point off the lead, albeit having played a couple of more games than uh, St Albans City, who were... Uh, in some people's eyes, uh, are one of the surprises of the season. Yeah, and finally, the, the other game, it was Concord who took the points in a lower mid-table clash at Billericay, which uh, kind of neither side will be sort of too happy with where they are currently at the minute, will they? They'll be hoping for a better 2021. Yeah, they will. Uh, both of those uh, be- better and bigger expectations than probably they're doing at the minute. Concord are, you know, are, are perennial overachievers, aren't they? And uh, perhaps uh, about their level, uh, their true level this season. Uh, more to come, perhaps, from them. Uh, for Billericay, it's, uh, well, it's another period of transition now, isn't it? Absolutely. Well, that is it. My my thanks to everyone who's joined us on the show today. Josh Reese, Will Evans, Tom Feeney, and to Rob and Chris and, uh, as well. And from myself, Luke Edwards, thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to us via iTunes and Spotify. Until then, look after yourselves and we'll see you all very soon.